And this week we are getting into divorce. And this isn't and this isn't a topic that we've gone into a whole lot because we've mainly focused on repairing relationships and kind of how to avoid divorce because both of us are big proponents of trying to work it out as opposed to getting a divorce. But we thought it would be good to talk about what happens when you do get a divorce. Obviously, there are reasons why both of us would be in agreement of a divorce, right? I mean, there are cases of of abuse or, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe continued and repeated infidelity that doesn't stop or if there's some sort of an addiction going on that they're not willing to work on. Like, there are genuine cases where it's like, okay, yeah, I can see divorce. And it's not that we're trying to look down on people who do get divorced because, I mean, it happens. Sometimes marriage just doesn't work out. Right. And so I think divorce generally for many couples is not a very good solution to their problems. But there are certainly reasons. uh, You you listed some, certainly abuse of any kind. And then the other, the research shows that for children, that if there's a lot of overt fighting, so a lot of really angry fighting in the home mm-hmm. uh, over time, that kids don't do well with that. And yeah. But, you know, there are some reasons that people get divorced. But my job, mostly, I think I've said this before on the podcast, is I, if people come and sit on my couch, then we're working to save the marriage. But mm-hmm. I certainly see marriages often. I yeah. don't see but I certainly see marriages often where I think, okay, this isn't going to work out. Mm-hmm. The problems are just too big and neither one is wanting to move towards the center to try and solve it. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk about divorce. Why? Statistics. Statistics are important because you yeah. asked a question of why, why is there such variation in statistics? And yeah. one of the places I like to go for this is probably the U.S. Census. Mm-hmm. Now, the the big drawback with the U.S. Census is it only happens once every 10 years. Yeah. So, but, you know, people say, oh, the divorce rate's around 50%. I think we can say it's somewhere between 40 and 50%. Okay. The trend, interestingly, if you go back in history, divorce certainly wasn't that common. And that's because right. I think women generally did not have a lot of rights. And so that's the reason divorce wasn't that common. When you move into the 1960s, though, divorce starts to increase. And it almost doubles from what it uh, used to be. And so I think part of that might be, one, women finding that they don't necessarily need to stay in an unhealthy relationship. Yep. And, you know, even in the 60s, there's some... Uh, movement for women to get out into the workforce, although, you know, now it's even more than it was back in the 60s. And so the economic ties that uh, Mm -hmm. a woman might have to stay married uh, aren't as strong anymore. And so, you know, that leads, I think, to an increase in the divorce rate. But in since about the 1980s, it's kind of leveled off. And it, it drops slightly, and then it's level now. I think both uh, since the, I guess, the last census that we have information on from 2009 to to 2019, both marriage and divorce rates decreased slightly. So less people are getting married uh, than they used to. I don't know that I've ever put a lot of, you know, or what's the word I want to see? Stock in it. Yeah, stock. I don't know if I've ever put a lot of stock in that because, one, I don't know what it tells us. Yeah. 
If you go into a marriage thinking, oh, okay, I've got 50% chance of getting a divorce. That's not accurate at all. No, nor is it a healthy outlook. It's <laughs> no, not it's a very not healthy health. start to a marriage. Well, there's only a 50, 50% chance. I got a 50, 50 shot of this working out. So but I actually hear people say that, you know, they'll come in and they say, well, you know, we have a 50% chance of getting divorced. That is not true. No. And, and so to say, well, the national rate of divorce is around 50%. Okay. Uh, other than that, I don't know what it gives us. I think more important is what are some of the predictors mm-hmm. of divorce? Or what is it that you can do that then decreases the probability that you yeah. get divorced? And I think those are a lot more interesting. Back in 2003, the state of Utah, what did they do? They had, it's called the Maybe it was just the marriage project. Anyway, they did a really extensive, some research in questioning people who were married and divorced to try and get an idea of what it looked like in Utah. And I went back today to see if they'd redone that. And I couldn't find anything. I don't think they had. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's probably expensive to do that type of survey. So at least in Utah, the last data that I could find was back for 2003. But it talks in that study about these factors in decreasing the risk of divorce. And they actually follow along with the national trends as well. So here are some of those factors. Having a baby seven months or more after marriage. So waiting a little bit uh, versus before marriage. If you have a child before you're married, then that uh, is not so good for you, you know, the prospects of long-term marriage. And so it decreases having a baby months after you got married, decreases it by 24%. If you're older when you get married, so over the age of 25 versus under 18, a lot of people don't get married under 18, but over over the age of 25, it decreases at about 25%. If your family of origin, say your parents have an intact marriage, that decreases your chance of divorce Mm by 14%. Religious affiliation, that's not surprising that those yeah. with strong uh, religious beliefs versus none have a decreased uh, likelihood of divorce. As college, higher education okay. uh, yeah. decreases your chance of divorce versus a high school dropout. Uh, annual income, so money, mm. oh, uh, if you yeah. have money, you know, annual income. Now, this is done... I'm trying to think of the date of this because I, I don't know that this is going to be accurate. It says annual income 50,000 versus under 25,000. Mm, I, I yeah. guess it's higher, but. Oh, but yeah, the, it's got to um, be now. But that's interesting. One of the best predictors of uh, success in divorce is more money. Now, it does make a lot of sense when you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the, in a minute, we're going to look at the reasons. People get divorced and one of them is going to be money or money issues. And so yep. if you have higher income, then you get rid of one of the big reasons that people get divorced. So, you know, those things, I think it's important to remember that. that so if you go into a marriage, one, I, I agree with what you said earlier. I don't know that it's a good idea to think, okay, what's my likelihood of getting a divorce? I think you yeah. go into it thinking we're going to be together. And that's what I try and tell people. I mean, don't, yeah. don't start thinking about divorce you know, at the start of your marriage. But you can think that, you know, if you have an intact family, higher education, if you're older, if you don't have a child right off, all Mm -hmm. those things are predictive of success in marriage. And that's not to say that there aren't people out there. I mean, you could have all those odds stacked against you and still be married. As I was thinking about these statistics, I thought of my own family of origin. And my parents had their first child together 
out of wedlock, you know, and they've been married for 33 years now. Mm-hmm. And neither of my parents went to college. Now, they did have strong religious values was implemented early in their marriage. And I can definitely say that that has very much helped their marriage and very much helped tie mm-hmm. them together. And then I also think about my grandparents who, and I mean, this is going to shock people, but my grandparents were 15 and 16 years old when they got married. And mm-hmm. everybody told them it was never going to last. Yeah. Well, 50 years later, here they are still yeah. married. Yeah. They're in their seventies. So, right. and again, I think religion has a lot to do with that is well, in these cases and not that you can't have a successful marriage without religion. Right. I mean, obviously right. you and Lindy are not religious yeah. and you guys have been married for 45 years, 45 so, years. Yeah. but I, think really what it comes down to is what we've talked about a lot in terms of relationship and and how to avoid divorce is finding connection, finding common connection, those rituals, you know, whether it's religion or values or interests, you know, you need to have, find some commonality and find something to kind of bring yourselves together, to create a glue, to bond yourselves. Here are, I think, the four top reasons. Incompatibility. Mm -hmm. So, when people, I think there's probably maybe even a legal reason, you know, we're incompatible or something like that, that people, okay. I, but here's what I think it is. That's, a, that's almost half, 43% wow. to say that's the reason. But from my work, I think it's about emotional disconnection, which is mm-hmm. kind of what you just said, you know, yeah. you, and so it could be, and that can happen at any age or any length of time in the marriage. Cause I see couples you know, who are been married 40 years and they, you know, suddenly their kids go, they're empty nesters and yeah. they haven't, they haven't worked on that emotional connection. And the way I describe it, they often are living parallel lives. They aren't mm-hmm. living entwined lives and they drift apart. I would also put in that category of incompatibility, I would put mental illness, personality disorders, things like mm-hmm. that. If you have chronic mental illness, I don't personally think that's a good reason for divorce, but I know that there are people out there who just can't take that anymore. And so Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons. But I I would say that falls into that category of incompatibility. But I think think you're right that the way you get around that, work on being compatible, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Which is common goals, common activities, common values, but it's also that emotional connection. And I probably said this before on the previous episodes, I would guess that at least 75% of the couples that I see typically don't use that word emotional disconnection mm-hmm. in the first session, but they're that's what they're describing. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I think it's very, very common and it's what a lot of couples struggle to get to. Yeah. It takes work, certainly, and it mm-hmm. takes effort. And I mean, you can go back and find countless episodes where we've talked about this, you know, even with all of those things, sometimes it just doesn't work out for, you know, whatever reason. And so I remember taking a parenting class and I want to say this now to see if it kind of trends with what's what you're going to keep going into. And so when I took this parenting skills class, we talked about divorce Mm -hmm. and she said the top two reasons were sex and money. Well, yeah, I don't know about sex. I'm thinking about that. Certainly money's in there, but I would say the sexuality goes with the incompatibility. Okay. It's it's just a subset of that. 
that the couples have different ideas either about frequency or what they're doing or things like that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I think you're right that it's a big issue, but I would throw it in under that incompatibility. Okay. But, but yeah. I, again, I think that, I think I've said this before as well, your chance of marrying someone who is exactly, has the same level of desire as you yeah. is about 10%. Yep. And so what that says, 90% of long-term couples have to figure this out. Yeah. And you can only do that. I think if you have really good dialogue mm-hmm. and if you have all those things we've mentioned before, the validation, the empathy, listening really well so that you can come up with some sort of joint solution. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah sex is in there. Money. So you mentioned money issues. Yeah. 22% of people who divorce cite money issues. I think it's good to talk a little bit deeper about what that that is. And what I've seen, there's always a, there's often a difference between what you call spenders and savers. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a spender, I mean, it can go back again to incompatibility that you feel like the other person is trying to rein you in and that doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes there's deception involved. And I see this all the time. And so it becomes an issue of trust. Like I tell you, I'm not going to spend $4,000 on whatever, my latest toy. And then I go out and I spend $4,000 on my latest toy. Well, yeah. what you've done is uh, Gottman would certainly call that one of those betrayals. Oh, yeah. Not keeping your word. And yeah. so often with money, it's that. It's yeah. that we don't keep our word about what we're going to do. And so it can also be an issue of safety because with money, with couples, Usually, you know, one or both are concerned, say, about later in life, uh, retirement savings, things like that. And so you have to work as a financial team to set out reasonable goals and then achieve those goals. And often what I find the conflict in money is they've sat down, they've come up with the reasonable goals, and then one of them is not following the plan. And over time, I mean, that wouldn't be a reason for divorce in and of itself. But, you know, after 10 years, if you aren't following the plan and you don't have retirement started or a college savings, yeah, then you think, okay, I've got to go do this on my own. Mm-hmm. So that's how I think money gets into that, taking out loans. And I think lack of compatibility could often maybe just stem from lack of good communication, yes. not being able oh, to... Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because you have to be able to, for one, express yourself. You need to be able to adequately express your needs, your wants, your desires. Those things are important in a relationship. You need to be able to help your partner to understand you and what you want. And you also have to be able to listen and accept your partner to be able to listen to what they're saying and say, okay, I get it. I see where you're coming from. I see your perspective and I understand you. And you have to have that want to understand someone else too. The other one, infidelity. Of course, I don't know that we need to say much more about that. Yeah. Almost a third of uh, marriages end because of infidelity. Wow, that seems I high. I think they don't have to. Yeah, um, yeah. Again, that you know, that's my work. I work with couples to, mm-hmm. to, to try and uh, help them stay together. But I certainly understand. Again, I'm not saying it's not a, a valid option because that yeah. is a very big betrayal. And so I, I really understand how someone has had that betrayal that they may not want to say in the relationship and make it work. I get that. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and then the last one, which doesn't happen very often, but I've had it occasionally, uh, trauma. 
And mm. people who work with trauma certainly know that, let, let's say, for example, the death of a child. Yes. Now, you would think that the death of a child would bring a couple together. Okay. Often it does, but almost as often it doesn't. Because, mm -hmm. And I think the reason is the grief around the, the death of a child is so profound yeah. that we we pull inside for a time mm -hmm. as a way of surviving, you know, so each of the partners in the marriage has lost this, you know, one of the most dear people in their lives. Mm -hmm. And in or and grieving is so hard for uh, the death of a child, that often it'll blow apart a marriage. Yeah, well, and also because grief is so individual. Mm -hmm. And, and it's also one of those things that you can never know how you're going to react to something until it happens. Mm -hmm. And so, but I think in terms of any sort of trauma or profound loss like that, I would hope that the couple would seek any sort of third party to kind of help discuss that. I mean, I think talk therapy in those instances is definitely warranted, right? Well, I think so too. But again, you know, if the grief is so profound yeah, um, that you're pulled in and you've with essentially what you've done is you've withdrawn from life mm. and you know, if both of you have that reaction or even one of you has that reaction, then the marriage becomes very hard. I think you can you can certainly tolerate that short term. Yeah. Uh, but as you said, you know, we've talked in the past about what's called complicated grief or when that grief is long term. And I can certainly understand how you would have to get away from the other person. Essentially, is what it is, is that my being with you is such a strong reminder of the loss. Mm -hmm. that I can't tolerate it. Yeah. So I think it's very sad, but trauma does that. Um, yeah. I think there are other traumas, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. That, for instance, if you, I think we've talked in the past about trauma, say police officers or war veterans, things like that, you know, and PTSD, I think that it makes it very difficult if somehow that past trauma is triggered it, over time and it becomes chronic and mm -hmm. very tough to stay in that relationship. Now, this last one I'm going to mention, I, I've seen it. I certainly don't think it's a good reason for divorce, chronic illness. So, oh, yeah. Uh, it certainly happens. I think it, yeah. it's very sad when it does. And that in and of itself would probably feel like a betrayal to the one who had the chronic illness. But I understand it, that it gets yeah. tough. But I think, you know, when we get married, we make these commitments and, you know, sometimes people just can't keep the commitment. I think that, I've said this before. I think that's the main issue with infidelity is, you know, we make a commitment to be to be monogamous and then some mm -hmm. people choose not to be. And yeah. It destroys the relationship. Yeah. And so going back to this chronic illness and a reason for divorce, I mean, the only way I can think of it, you know, is if the person who is chronically ill, I don't know if they're refusing to take care of themselves, right? I mean, you know, right. then I can kind of understand. Now, I think that in a minute, I'll go back to the people often feel remorse on getting divorced or they mm. feel regret, but yeah. we'll talk more about that. And so too much conflict and arguing, 53%. Mm -hmm. Infidelity or extramarital affairs, 52%. Getting married too young. Now, this may be something more specific to Utah because Utah yeah. was if you if you look at the age at which we marry it is younger than the national average mm -hmm. uh, by about four to five years getting married too young 41 percent 
of divorces mm-hmm. that it was that. And then back to financial problems or, or economic hardship, 33%. So that, that gives a pretty good idea of what it is that causes people to get a divorce. I think that, you know, if I look at it, and again, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of someone who tries to help couples. Right. It's arguing conflict, work on that, lack of commitment. I think lack of commitment, either you have it or you don't. But uh, the piece that I don't get is why did they get married in the first place, which I often ask, because there's got to, there has to have been commitment at some point. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I think Maybe they found someone, I don't know, I mean, because you you hear stories of, well, I was married, but then I found the one. And that, maybe that is just a signal of a lack of commitment. But I just, you know, you hear these stories of, well, I, I, I found, I fell in love with someone else. We didn't mean for it to happen, but it just happened. Uh, yeah, and I, <laughs> I always push back against that because, I, one, I don't believe in the one. I yeah. don't believe there is a one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in a world of 7 billion people, there, you know, there are probably 10,000 people that I could be happily married to. But you make a commitment to one yeah. of them. And so it, it's all about the commitment that you make. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you if you made a commitment to one person, then you say, well, I fell in love with someone else and I didn't mean to. And going back to that book, Not Just Friends by Shirley Glass, you open the door to it. Yep. You open the door and you walk through the door. Yeah. And so the key is don't open the door and don't walk through it. Don't go down that path. Yeah. And, and so, but just that concept of, see, I think to say I found the one, what that means is my marriage that I'm in grew, we grew apart. Yep. We lost our emotional connection. I found an emotional connection somewhere else. I think that's all it means. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I think you know, marriage at first, when you first get married, it's new and it's exciting and you've got this, you know, it's, it's exhilarating. It's a high. Well, I mean, that high only lasts for so long and eventually it wears off and you kind of have to choose to keep focusing on your partner. Marriage takes focus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, you, we've both said this before. We don't like the idea of saying marriage takes work. Work. Yeah. Yeah. And and I remember hearing that, and then I've been married for 11 years, and I was like, my marriage has never taken work. I've invested in my marriage, and I've certainly made choices. Right, and I know, I know it's not work, but I know you two focus on your marriage. Lindy and I do, certainly. Clearly, I mean, 45 years, you guys must be doing something, right? Yeah. So one of the reasons that we did this topic of divorce is an email we got from a listener. And so in this email, we'll call him Mr. X, he talks about he recently remarried his ex. And I'm curious to get your take on this and and how you see this working and how often you see this work and maybe what couples can do to make it work. Hopefully they've learned the second time around. So things he says that things are going well and continue to get better. And so one of the things that we've talked about in previous episodes when we've talked about divorce is not confiding in your friends about the reasons why you're getting divorced. Right. And this is one of the reasons why. So they didn't know about that five years ago. And so he ended up confiding in his closest friends about the reasons why they got divorced. And now that they're back together, he's kind of like, what do we do at this point? I think he's worried. The way I read it is I think he's worried that the friends are going to hold, um, not grudge, but they'll, they won't accept the wife again because they know some of the things that went on yeah. in the marriage to cause the divorce. 
Yeah. And so I think that's what he's worried about. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like his friends also don't know that they're back together yet. And he's at the point right. where, where he's got to tell them. And so, you know, that certainly can be uncomfortable. And so here's what I would say, and I'm curious what your thoughts are. I would just mm -hmm. say, you know, you know that a lot of things happened in the past and we've decided to put those differences aside and, and we've forgiven each other and we're going to move forward. And I hope you can do the same and not let this affect our future relationship. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would say the same thing, but what is interesting is there's one statistic, I can't find it right now, but in the past, I've read that fully a third of people who were divorced, who were divorced, regretted it. Mm, yeah. And so I think that marrying your ex, I certainly had couples in my office who have done that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there are any statistics on second marriages with the same person. Yeah. But I, I've never seen anything like that. So I can't say. I would guess that it would be more successful. And that's just okay. guessing because you've learned a lot. You already know how you probably have kids in common and you already know what the issues are. And in my mind, you wouldn't get married again unless you had solved the issues. Yeah. But certainly, like if you have second marriages, the divorce rate's higher. Now, that's not with the same person. Right. And in third marriages, the, the divorce rate's even, even higher. It's something like mm -hmm. 73%. And so, but what, what we're talking about is a different situation. Yeah. So when I hear about this, I, I think that is really great. I don't know why I have such a positive reaction to this. Okay. I really believe that people can change. Okay. And yeah. all it says to me is that it took them just a little bit longer to figure out how to change. Yeah. And okay. so they went ahead and they got, you know, they went through the legal steps of getting a divorce, but then figured it out. And in the best of circumstances, you know, people can stay friendly Mm -hmm. And they probably stayed friendly and, you know, maybe even went out and they knew what the issues were. Yeah. And they both, I would guess both of them played a part because I've never seen a marriage where it's just one person. Yeah. And so I, to me, I really like this uh, scenario. I mean, I think it's a, I don't know, what would I say? It just feels good. It's like a feel good story. Yes, we got a divorce and yeah, you know what? We figured it out and we're getting back together. It makes you sound like a hopeless romantic. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, I am. maybe that's true. It's yeah. actually right. You're right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's it's um, romantic. I think, I think I'm a romantic at heart, but I just I think for me it speaks to the ability of people to one forgive. So yes. so he's asking, you know, what does he say to these friends? Mm -hmm. So I think it can be a good life lesson for the friends as well, because you know what, we all make mistakes. Yeah. That yeah. is that is part of the human condition. We all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so if you can acknowledge that, you know what? We made mistakes and we've decided to work on it. We've forgiven each other. And I would even, I would make a stronger statement maybe than you did to say, it is really important to me that you accept her back into our friendship. Okay, yeah. I'd make a request because if, here's the reason why. Because they're getting married. They need to form that relationship. Friends yeah. are important, but if there's this other group of friends over here who aren't accepting her back, I think that's really problematic. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if I have friends who I knew before I before Curtis and I got married, and if they couldn't accept Curtis, they wouldn't have a place in my life because right. 
Curtis is, he's my number one priority. My family is more important to me. And so, I mean, I think that's what he really, really what it comes down to is what he needs to realize and accept is that, you know, your friends have got to be able to be willing to accept this, or you may need to reconsider their place in your life because right. you're married. But if they can forgive each other as a marriage, yeah. Person, yeah. then the friends ought to be able to do that. Yeah. And so it's a good life lesson that we make mistakes and that people can change and that forgiveness and moving on, I think, is an important part of relationships, not just, you know, the intimate relationships of marriage, but also friend relationships as yeah. well. So I'd make a, if I were he, I would make a strong statement of this is what I expect. And, yeah. and I would even say it may take you some time, which is mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be right away, but you can say this has got to change because I'm fully committed in this marriage. I want to stay friends with you. Yeah. I want you to be in our lives, but this is what has to happen. And the other thing too, that people have got to remember, and I mean, I learned this lesson years and years ago, and it's something I believe so strongly in. There are two sides to every story. Well, and, right. That's and, true. And, yeah. and I hope that these friends can realize that and also realize in most cases, it takes two people to get divorced. So you brought up a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Because he could even say that. He could say, listen, you saw, you heard one side of the story. Yeah. Yep. You did not hear the whole story. And there's a whole other side. Now, that doesn't mean I would not say you're going to hear the other side. I wouldn't right. do that. No. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, compound the I wouldn't compound the problem. I'd just say you only heard half of this mm -hmm. and, and it was my half. And so I think that's a really good point, Liz. Yeah, is and and I think that's something that all people always need to remember. And we've talked about this before. It's not fair to judge someone, especially when you're only getting one side of the story. So, right. you know, it takes two people to make a marriage happen. It takes two people to make marriage successful. And it takes two people to make a divorce happen. Right. And we have to remember that and hopefully give people grace. Okay. So I, I really hope it works out for this couple and these friends yeah. because that's a good life lesson. And maybe that's what I like too about, you know, getting back together. And it's not going to happen for the majority of divorces. I know that. Mm -hmm. But when it does, I think it's a great thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, if if you're given a second chance. That's right. We all deserve second chances, I think. Yeah. 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 I agree. Okay. So next week we are going to get into maybe how to avoid getting divorced. And that is paying attention to the red flags, right? And, and, what, so, and what questions to ask so you can determine what the red flags might be. Yes, yes, absolutely. So that's going to be a good episode. And 